Praise the Lord. Let me add my welcome. If you're visiting with us, uh, I want to uh, add my uh, appreciation for your uh, being here. For those that have been faithful every service, uh, I commend you and really appreciate that. It really does add uh, to what God does in the services, and uh, that is good. Isaiah 10:27 will be my text. As you're turning there, I just want to pause for a moment. Uh, maybe we could put that picture up if you guys have it. I want to pause just for a moment and on the behalf of uh, my wife, my family, uh, we want to thank you for your giving and support of the ministry. It is a family deal. Uh, I, it's me, my wife, three of my kids still do live at the house uh, off and on. They, they come and go, but... Uh, uh, we could not do what we do without giving. I'd love to tell the bank, God bless you, John 3.16, but they want cash. And so does the phone company and the petrol station and the Walmart and everybody else. And so uh, we uh, are very appreciative uh, of that. It is uh, a family uh, ministry. Uh, every day there's a phone call. My wife wants to know, you know, what happened? Uh, what did God do? Uh, and they even fast and pray for many of these meetings. And so on the behalf of the Fussell family, uh, our prayer is that God would return that back to you a, a hundredfold. Amen. It is because of those who gave before you. I was able to be here this week because you're giving. I can go on and uh, that's how it works. Otherwise, I go back to the computer industry or the machinist, uh, uh, what I did in the past. Uh, but we have felt the call of God to step out and uh, obey God. I am not a stranger with this assembly. I am familiar with your generosity. Uh, and so we are very blessed. Uh, and so from the entire Fussell family, thank you very much. Uh, and the Lord bless you and uh, return that to you. Amen. You can take that down. Uh, uh, we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost tonight, and I want to uh, uh, minister a couple things here that will help us. Uh, I want to talk about Holy Ghost anointing. Uh, when I got saved, I was 17. I'd been kicked out of several high schools, uh, programs after that, heavily involved in drugs, uh, spiritualism, witchcraft. Uh, uh, I was just on a fast track to destruction. One day, I asked God if he was real. A couple days later, uh, I met a Christian. That led to a series of events where on January 30th, 1982, it was a Saturday morning, I had a very radical encounter with Jesus Christ, supernatural, that changed my life forever. I was in church the next Sunday, uh, that Wednesday. Friday night, I was at a Bible study. They asked me, do you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? You know, pardon me, I'd been in church where people spoke in tongues and stuff, and I remember thinking, you know, that's different. That's unique. But at the same time, it didn't necessarily feel weird. Uh, that was strange to me. Like it didn't bother me. It didn't seem weird to me. Uh, there was a witness on it. And so, uh, but I, you know, uh, I was, part of me wanted to say, no, man, that's cool. I'm okay. Like, you know, I felt new, weird, unfamiliar. But, you know, instinctively, when I got saved, when you get the Spirit of God, I could not have quoted this to you from the Bible, but somehow when I met Jesus and began to go to church, almost immediately a couple things just clicked with me. One, 
that when my pastor got up and preached, I need to really listen to what he says. That it's not just some guy, you know, saying his opinion, but there is a spiritual connection with God that I need to pay attention to. Number two, that the Bible is God's word. It is God's revelation of himself uh, to man. And so uh, even though I was feeling a little apprehensive, kind of like, you know, well, maybe I'll do it later, uh, I said, you know, if it's in that book, and God says I need to do it, well, I need to forget about my shyness or my reservation or how it's going to make me feel or look. If this is something God wants me to do, what do I need to do? They said, all you need to do is pray. So I did, and all of a sudden I began to speak a spirit language I had never been taught, and I was baptized gloriously in the Holy Ghost. And one of the reasons that's important is the Holy Spirit also helps us live for God and make decisions, good decisions, when we're not in church. And this is very powerful. I just want to lift one verse out of Isaiah. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all the context of what's going on there. How many have ever heard the phrase, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke? You know, we come to church, a lot of times we hear these phrases and it's like, yeah, oh yeah, that's right, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and we don't even know what we're saying. Well, we're going to look at the verse where this actually comes from. And to make a, a long story short, the people are oppressed. They're under a burden and an oppressor. And God is talking about he's going to bring deliverance. Isaiah 10, 27, it will come to pass in that day, this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil or the anointing. This oil is representative of the Holy Spirit all through the Old Testament. First, I want to point out, number one, Jesus is the anointed one. Luke 3.21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. Pastor just mentioned a water baptism. If you have given your life to Jesus, you need to follow the Lord in obedience and be, to be water baptized. This is not when you were a baby and they sprinkled water to, on you. That is not taught in the Bible. It, baptism is once you have made a conscious decision to follow Jesus, Baptism is a public declaration and commitment that you are going to live for Jesus. There's more to it, but even Jesus was baptized. It's not optional. I don't know anyone who has gone on to live for the Lord who has not followed through in water baptism. And the Bible says, he was also baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All four gospel writers mention this powerful account of Jesus being anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus being our chief example, our chief 
model to follow of what it means to do the will of God. God, very evident to everyone there, set Jesus apart from the world to do the work of the kingdom. Jesus himself declared the anointing on his life. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all were all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I would have loved to be in that room because you don't understand how radical that was. He was saying, I am the Messiah or the capital A anointed one. Everyone knew this was a prophecy about the anointed one. Jesus functioned in the anointing. I want to pause right here and just say, as I say many times, when I talk about the anointing, I am not talking about a vibe. I'm not talking about an emotion. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, I feel the anointing. I'm not saying it can't manifest like that, but I am not talking about an emotion or a vibe. I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of that and what that means. The anointing was so we could serve the purposes of God, not just feel good. There might be some feel good to it, praise the Lord, but the anointing isn't just so we can feel God or feel a little joy juice. It is so we can do something and serve a purpose for the things of God. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and diseases among the people. Luke 4.14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and the news of him went through the surrounding region and he he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he wasn't just anointed for, you know, some kind of emotional thing. He was anointed to be able to serve, to work, to minister, and propagate the kingdom of God. Number two, the followers of Christ need the anointing. This was indicated from the very beginning by John the Baptist. In Mark, uh, Matthew 3.11, uh, John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is a reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
The need for the Holy Spirit was taught by Jesus himself. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper, capital H, because it's talking about uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, that he might abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Listen to this. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is standing there physically with the apostles saying the Holy Spirit's been with you, but there's coming a time he's going to be in you. What do you mean he's been with us? You're looking at him. But I have to physically go, and that's actually good, because now I'm going to be inside of you by the Holy Spirit. Omnipresent. We talked a little bit about that Sunday with the Word of God and the guys on the road to Emmaus. He even commanded the disciples to wait for this. The reason I say this is some people think that the Holy Spirit's kind of an elective. I don't know if it still goes this way today, but when I went to high school, there's what I called throwaway classes. You know, you had, had to do science, had to do math, had to do history, but then there were some electives like, you know, home economics. I'm not going to need no home economics, but I heard you get to bake peanut butter cookies and eat them, so I signed up for home economics. But it wasn't super important. It was kind of like you could or could not. Some people make the mistake that because I'm saved and I've got Jesus, my name's in the book of life, I'm going to heaven, that the Holy Spirit's optional, but that is not the spirit of the Scriptures. Jesus commanded the apostles to get this. Acts 1-4, being assembled together with them, he commanded. I looked this up in the Greek and everything else. It means exactly what you think it means. He's not saying, hey, if you guys think this might be cool, if you're not doing anything later, or you got that uh, date open, uh, uh, maybe you want to hang out over there. That's not how he said it to them. He ordered them. He commanded them to wait in Jerusalem to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason... He is so emphatic about this is because the anointing brings power. A good definition of anointing is to set someone apart and authorize them for the task of spiritual importance. When you get pulled over, you see some blue and red lights and a man gets out with a badge and a gun and he has been authorized, uh, deputized to be able to write you a ticket. He's a person just like us, but because of the authority on his life, which by the way, ultimately comes from God. That's what the Bible says. It's not just the state or this and that. That authority and power actually flows down from the Lord. Right, He has been authorized to help enforce the law. And it's meant to keep us safe. And I know we can debate that and there's been a lot of abuses. But the way it's supposed to work is to keep things in order and keep innocent people safe and society civil. I understand it's all out of whack now, but that's because man's running things and God's not... Uh, it, doing it all, but that's about to change. Jesus is coming pretty soon. But this is what anointing means. Not only to give you power, but to authorize you to represent God in the earth. 
Represent him in your family, in your church, in your workplace, in the school place, anywhere you are. You are no longer a citizen of this world. The Bible says we are citizens of a far off kingdom and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering and authorization for us to represent Christ the way it needs to. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. If Jesus needed this, the perfect man, how much more you and I? The power of the anointing is taught all the way through the Bible including the verse we talked about tonight in Isaiah, who lived 800 years before Jesus was ever born, he says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And that's where that phrase, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, comes from. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gives us power over sin and the devil. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. Friend, if that was true 2,000 years ago, it's never been more true than this night. It's the last hour, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and know all things. Yes, it's going to be a time of darkness. It's going to be a time of wickedness. It might even look like the devil's winning. But you, children of God, you have an anointing. You have a covering. You have something that's going to keep you through all of this. This is the Holy Spirit. This anointing is for every Christian believer. Acts 2.1, the Bible says when the Holy Ghost came, there's about 120 in the upper room of all sorts of people, and the Bible says they all got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. By the way, there was 120 people speaking in tongues at once. Some of you may have heard some things like, well, the Bible says you shouldn't all speak in tongues at the same time. They're not teaching that correctly. When Paul makes that comment, he's talking about this gift of prophecy, which is different than just praying in the Spirit. This is what people do. They want to lift little things out of context and mix them around. But if, if that was true, then God's confused because the very first time he poured out the Holy Spirit, all of them, and the city heard all of them speaking in tongues all at once. Matter of fact, shortly after that, 3,000 people came to Christ. Some of you that are embarrassed or offended by the Holy Ghost ought to pay attention to that statement. Years ago, uh, we were... Tucson Church, I was birthed in revival. When I got saved in 1982, people were getting saved by the dozens. I mean, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, it was just normal. It was just normal. When you heard the altar call, how many want to get saved? Yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. 10, 15, 20 people. I mean, every service. I thought, man, I'm going to dig this. This is cool. I didn't realize we were in revival. I just thought this is the way it always was all the time. 
and that was normal. One day, Pastor Mitchell came. I knew he was my pastor's pastor, but I didn't really know him. He's preaching a Sunday morning, goes to call for salvation. We got our heads bowed because back then I bowed my head and closed my eyes lest my eyes would burn out if I was looking into the Holy of Holies or something. You know, and I just, I heard him say, how many want to get saved? And it was like nothing. And I remember feeling this like, ooh, what is that? And all of a sudden, Pastor Mitchell says, you know, we're about 600 people. I want everybody here to speak in tongues. And I have to confess, I didn't say it out loud or nothing, but I'm in my seat and in my spirit, I'm like, no, you're going to freak them out. You know, that's what everybody's worried. You bring your visitor to church, and that's the one part of the service. You're kind of like, man, just hang on. And lo and behold, if brother or sister Holy Ghost doesn't sit right next to them, you know, you know, they're they're doing all kinds. You almost want to grab them and say, I don't even know who that is, man. This is right? Because you're embarrassed. You're offended at the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you know, we didn't all burst out full blast, but you get 600 people quietly speaking in tongues. It wasn't quiet. All of a sudden, yes, I see those hands. Yep, 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 yep. And sure enough, 20 people. And after the altar call was fading, he says, you know, some of you, I just blew your theology out the window. Don't you know tongues is a sign to the unbeliever? But see, the holy, uh, the, the devil who is a master accuser, he wants to try to shame you. He wants to try to embarrass you. Oh, don't do that speaking tongues, you know, mama wrote a Honda, untie my bow tie stuff. I understand when you hear the word Pentecostal, there are some stupid, cra- I've seen the memes of people dancing and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I understand there's counterfeit out there. But that doesn't mean there ain't the real thing. And it's not optional. And the only thing you need to get the Holy Spirit is a heart that says, Lord, I'm not going back to that old life. That's it. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I hadn't even quit smoking dope yet. I went to church Wednesday, went home, lit up a joint. Man, God, that was a cool sermon tonight. Now, I'm not excusing my bad behavior. I was a brand new convert. I'm just trying to paint a picture to you that I still had issues in my life, the girlfriend thing, some other things, but I wasn't messing around. I was for real. When I, told, when I met God that Saturday, I said, this is it. I'm, I'm going to live for you. I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm all in on this. And I still had some things. And that's why God says you need the Holy Spirit to help you to break some of that stuff off of you. To help you begin to do what your heart wants to do. Isn't this what I hear all the time? I want to serve God, but then I go out and I drink. I don't want to. That's right. Because in your own power, you can't do it. Even people in the world, they might be able to clean things up for a time, but eventually what happens? It breaks down because we don't have power to withstand that. That's why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. You don't have to do this. I'm going to give you a helper. He's going to empower you. 
and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I got a call one day. I was saved for a short time, and uh, I was I. I wasn't really a drinker. That didn't really do it for me. But, man, marijuana was just like air. That's just you smoke marijuana all day, every day. And I got saved. I got rid of a bunch of stuff. And it was an off day. I get this phone call from my friend. Hey, man, I just scored a pound. And it was good stuff. He says, come on over. Yeah, it's a five-minute walk. Now, I kind of knew, I'm a Christian now, that I probably shouldn't do it, but technically I didn't. Like, I didn't see the verse in there that said, you know, doesn't it say God has given us every green herb? Every stoner knows that. They don't even know where it is in the Bible, but they'll say it, right? And so I'm thinking, well, I could go over and, you know, invite him to church, But I get over there, and I start rolling one up, and he was a bodybuilder. You know, he's a real buff dude, and he's pumping some iron. He goes, spark it up. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like this voice, not my natural ear, but it almost sounded like it. Don't do that. And I'm like, you know, is that God? Or is that like my imagination pretending to be God? You know, it's just a, uh, I, uh, I try to shake it off. Don't do that. And this time, I felt my, like my heart starts pounding. I felt something. I'm like, ooh, I remember that voice. It's him. I set it down. He says, come on, man, spark it up. I said, Nate, you may think I'm crazy, but God just told me not to do this. He's like, is he here right now? You know, he was there the day I got saved. Really freaked him out. He's a Satanist. His dad was a Satanist. One of the editors on one of the big papers there in Tucson. I'm not talking about Ronnie Dames, Geo Dio wannabes. These were real people. I mean, real deal stuff. And uh, I think God has a sense of humor. I'm going to save this guy right in the Satanist car, you know. And then at his house, he's going to get delivered from marijuana. So I put it down and said, matter of fact, he is, Nate, and you need Jesus, man. I just started witnessing to him. He goes, man, you got to get out of here right now, which I went ahead and left, and I never touched it again, totally delivered, never had a desire for it. It was like it was just pulled out of there. The Holy I wasn't in church. Pastor wasn't there. No one else was there to see what I was doing, but the Holy Spirit was abiding there. And he helped me through that moment of temptation to have the victory. The Holy Spirit empowers us to have a good testimony. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to speak in tongues and speak in tongues often. I'm telling you, the devil is after this in our ministry. If we allow that to happen, I, I fear uh, what that would mean. Uh, if the Holy Spirit is not with us, guiding us, empowering us, then we'll just have good religion. We might even make heaven our home, but we won't make any impact. It's the Holy Spirit that does this. I tell young people, you know, you're new to praying. But if you can get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you go in the prayer room, speak in tongues. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. I mean, you don't have to be crazy about it. Shut up, you know. 
I always thought prayer meetings should be like the choir. I always was taught you sing loud, but you don't want to blow away your neighbor. You know, you kind of want to find that balance. That makes sense to you? Speak in tongues. More is going on there than you understand. You are speaking a spirit language. Because I have more time, there have been times I go early in the morning, and whether it's a two- or three-hour day for me, sometimes I've just been speaking in tongues for an hour, and all of a sudden, it's like a download starts happening. I mean, God just starts giving me revelation, starts putting stuff in my spirit. I mean, very succinct, specific things. It is a powerful, powerful gift. And so if you're not exercising that, you're doing yourself a big disservice. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it is something you should put on your top number one list. It is a priority. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And sometimes people pray, get it the first time. Others, I've met people, man, they prayed 30 times. It became a frustration for them. But, you know, they kept believing, and guess what? God filled them with the Holy Spirit. We need to be, we're a Pentecostal church. Pentecost means second chapter of Acts. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's our guide, our helper. He helps us accomplish what it is that we need to do. You know, there have been times I'm on the road, people say, man, you know, I'm, I'm only home at my house 17 weeks out of the year. There's 52 weeks in a year. And some people, you know, oh, that must be hard on your family. No, it's not. You know why? When I am home, the week I'm home, I'm home home. That meant when my kids were young, and maybe they were in first, second grade, whatever, and we wanted to wrestle around on the floor for an hour, I could say, school's done today, and I could spend three or four hours just hanging out with my kid. A working man, working 40, 50 hours a week, that's, you can't do that. You come home, it's dinner time, you got a little bit there, bedtime, on you go. Not only that, I would be on the road, and God will speak to me. Hey, when you get home this time, spend a little more time with this one. He'll tell me, something's up, something's going on, there's a need. And I can't tell you how many times because of that, uh, it's really helped us and preserved us. The Holy Spirit can help us in so many ways. And that anointing is what breaks that yoke. It's spiritual power. It's not just a sound that comes out of our mouth that sounds funny. There's real spiritual power taking place when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us for his purposes. Amen. Let's bow our heads in this place. Jesus met a woman at the well. She'd been divorced five times. She's now living in adultery, and it seems like he's getting ready to dump her. She's broken. And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask of me, and I'll give you living water that you never thirst again. And the Bible says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. You're searching for things in relationships. You're searching for things in the world that will satisfy you and make you happy. And all of those things might bring a temporal joy or happiness, but they will never ultimately satisfy. But what I have, it will fill you to overflowing. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
To get it, you need to be right with God. You must be born again. On the day of Pentecost, they first mocked the Christians. Oh, they must be drunk. They're talking crazy. But Peter gets up and says, no, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He began to explain who Jesus was, how he died for our sins, rose again from the dead. All of a sudden, that mocking crowd said, oh, man, what do we need to do so we can have that? He said, repent, believe in the name of Jesus, and then you can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 of them did right there on the spot. I wonder, is there anyone here tonight that would say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I don't know Jesus, but I want to repent. I want to accept Christ as my Savior and begin to follow him. I know I haven't been living for him. I've been living in sin, but I want to repent from that. I want to follow Jesus tonight. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you lift your hand and say, pray for me? I want to accept Christ. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want, I want to quit living my way and begin to serve God. God bless you, ladies. You can put them down. Anyone else? Honest hearts. We're not here to embarrass anybody. Jesus died on a cross for you. You can lift your hand for him if he's dealing with you. Maybe you're a backslider. At one time, you believed. You followed him. But you've fallen away, and God's calling you home. You'd lift your hand. God's speaking right now. Man or woman, you slip up your hand. That's me. I want to get right with God tonight. I want to follow Jesus. Slip it up. Put it right back down. All right, I'm going to change the call. If you lifted your hand, you really meant that. I want you to come out of your seat, come to the altar, and pray. Someone may come and pray with you. Christian, maybe God spoke to you, stirred you. You can find a place to pray. The rest of us, let's stand together. We're going to sing. We're going to worship God. These altars are open for those who'd like to pray tonight.